here um, at this pulpit in this church. Thank you for these people who are here tonight, who came out in a midweek service. Uh, Father, not only to be encouraged by each other's fellowship, but also to hear from you tonight. I pray you'd enable me to uh, meet that need, that you would allow me to communicate clearly uh, the burden that you have given me for tonight's message. And I pray that when it's done, everyone here would be glad to have been in your house and we'd leave here motivated to be better Christians than when we walked in. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for scripture and thank you for Christians that we can fellowship with. And Father, I ask that you'd be pleased with all that we do from here out. Would you find it acceptable? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd so, um, I hope your hands are limbered up. Amen. And it's good to see them. I don't want you to just hear me say it. I I think it's important to see it uh, in, in Scripture. If you would take your Bibles, please, and turn with me. Actually, you know, before I do that, I want to introduce somebody to you real quick. Um, I, I, this is uh, Brother Andy. He's from our church. And uh, I, I wanted to come with me for two reasons. Number one, because I wanted someone to go with me and drive from out east to Queens. And uh, there's nothing good on the radio. Amen. So we'll just have somebody with me for fellowship. But there's another reason, and this is more important. I wanted your church to see uh, some fruit that abounds to your account. Our church was started uh, and organized four years ago. And God's been good to us. We've seen some souls saved. Your church has helped us. Your pastor has helped me as an individual, but your church has helped our ministry as well. And Brother Andy was saved just a few months ago. And God did the work in his life, changed his life. And uh, he's become one of my very good friends. And this is a first for us at Community Baptist. Um, We have been using a swimming pool for a baptistry, all right? Because we're Baptists, amen? We need much water, all right? And so we, had, we were going to try to find a portable baptistry. And Brother Andy here, he wanted to get baptized. Amen? I mean, that's, that's a good thing for a convert to do. So I told him what we we're trying to do. And he said, Pastor, I can build one. I said, what? He said, I can build one. So he not only built the baptistry, then he got into it two Sundays ago. And so we praise the Lord for the work he's doing in his life. And now our church doesn't have to use a swimming pool anymore. We have a portable baptistry. It's actually beautiful. It looks like it should just stay there once it gets stained. Amen. But anyway, um, but uh, I wanted to bring him and and, uh, introduce you to him and just see one of the folks that God has changed on the East End. And I want to thank you for your prayers for us and for the investments made, not just financially, but also with prayers. And I wanted to thank you for that. If you would take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul is writing a very passionate letter to the church at Corinth. He's dealing with issues and problems. He's dealt with all sorts of things. And now he's going to get a little personal about himself. And we're going to pick it up in verse number 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 18. Paul asks, after saying that he uh, um, does willingly preach the gospel... He says in verse 18, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Paul is giving us what he does and then the reason why he does it. 
What he does is make himself a servant unto all. The reason that he does it is so that he might gain the more. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, verse 20. Why did you do that, Paul? That I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. In other words, I became as without law. Then he explains, remember the Holy Spirit is inspiring these words, amen? And so there's a clarifying thought here. Being not without law to God, of course, we're not lawless, but under the law to Christ. Why did you do that? Why did you come as without the law? That I might game them that are without law. Verse 22, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Paul was aware that not everyone would be saved. Not everyone he witnessed to would be converted. But what he did want to do was get to all men so that by all means some would be saved. In verse 23, he sums up this whole context by this, this sentence, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run, that ye may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now you get the idea through these verses that Paul had a burden for those around him. He explains that the gospel matters to him. In the beginning of what we read, he talks about preaching the gospel. And he says, I do it for others. And then he gets into detail and he says, if it's a Jew, I become a Jew. If they're weak, I become weak. If they're with the law, with the law. If without the law, without the law. And he sums it all up with one thought. I do all of this for the gospel's sake. Think of that. For the gospel's sake. If we could follow you around the rest of this week... And most of next week, until we came right back here next Thursday evening, and someone could sum up why you do what you do, what would it be? They say that, well, he lived his life for what? Would it be for money? Would it be for pleasure? Would it be for your family? These are all good things. There's nothing wrong with being happy. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with wanting to provide for your family. But why are we here tonight? The fundamental reason... That we have gathered here tonight, we've left the world, we've assembled ourselves together. The fundamental reason why we're here is because we are, this is a church. This is a local body here in Queens, brought together for one purpose. To have the mind of Christ, the spirit of Christ, so that you might fulfill the work of Christ. In essence, and in short, this church exists for the gospel's sake. But that means nothing if it's just on a doctrinal statement. It means nothing if it's just on a statement of faith. This church believes in the gospel. But you are the church. And what you do will determine if this church is really living for the gospel's sake. I want to encourage you tonight and remind you that what we do matters. But why we do it matters too. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the Bible not only 
is a sword that is sharper than any two-edged sword, but it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, God goes beyond just what we're doing. God sees why we're doing it. He sees the motive. And I want to encourage you tonight, beloved, that and remind you that the most fundamental reason that we are still here is for the gospel's sake. There are those out there that need Christ. Yes, we're here to pray and we're here to fellowship. These are all wonderful things that God designed. But the reason God did not take us home the minute we were saved is because there is work to be done here on earth. If you would take your Bible and turn back to Mark chapter 8. This phrase, for the gospel's sake, or for the sake of the gospel, is only found three times in the New Testament. We're going to look at the other two right now. The other two are found only in the gospel of Mark. And now we're going to see what Jesus says. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. We'll do it for verse 34 for context. And when he had called the people unto him with the disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now that phrase, take up his cross, is very descriptive, isn't it? Now they knew more about that than we do today. We, we think of it as... Uh, an image of Christianity. But back when Jesus said these words, if a man had a cross on his back, he was only going one place, and that was to die. A man with a cross on his back was headed to die. And Jesus was saying that if a man is going to follow me, he's going to live for me. He's going to be presenting his body a living sacrifice, holy except unto God, which is his reasonable service. You know, in other words, it's a serious business to serve Christ. Amen. And then he continues on and says this, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Now we know that Jesus is not just speaking about martyrs. Although there's application there for those who physically have given their lives. Jesus is talking about us losing our life. That when, when Josh Fryman was saved and converted, Josh Fryman died, but was born again. And that I have to continually put off the old man and put on the new and work, uh, work towards sanctification. Of course, this is a blessing because God does the work, but that's a whole other story. Amen. But we have to yield to the spirit. The Bible talks about not quenching the spirit, not grieving the spirit. Two different things. We want to do that. But Jesus says here, That if you lose your life for my sake, and then we say, what could be greater than that? Jesus adds another thing. And he says, for my sake and the Gospels, the same shall save it. Just a page or two over, depending on how big your pages are. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto you, There is no man, no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Now, you read that verse and 
You say, well, I haven't seen a hundredfold increase in my house and I haven't seen a hundredfold increase in my in my possessions in my lands. But you have seen an increase in brothers and sisters. Amen. Uh, Look around. These are your brothers and sisters. But before we focus in on the hundredfold increase of our house and lands, it also says with persecutions. We have to be able to accept both. But maybe it's because the reason we haven't seen these things is because we haven't done the activity that's required in verse 29. And that is leaving things for the gospel's sake. Leaving things, separating things. Not that we're against our families or against people, but making a distinction for the gospel's sake. For Christ's sake and for the gospel's sake. Beloved, it matters how we live. And it matters why we live. I want to tell you there are three things tonight. What time are you usually done? I should have asked that before. 9.30. Okay, very good. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. All right, let's go through these quickly. What are we supposed to do for the gospel's sake? Well, number one, I want us to see tonight that we are to walk for the gospel's sake. We're to walk for the gospel's sake. Now, you probably know where I'm going, that... A walk, it represents how we live. Amen? It's, it's our Christian walk. But let's go through some verses. If you would take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Am I speaking too fast, by the way? No? Okay, very good. I trust this man over here. He seems trustworthy. So if he says no, then I believe him, all right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says it. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that. And remember, whenever you see that word, that, in the Bible, that means that something happened for a reason. And so he charged them, every one of them. There was something that mattered to everyone. It wasn't about the girls do this and the guys do this. We charged every one of you that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. If you would go to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That. Here's why you're a chosen generation. Here's why you're a royal priesthood. Here's why you're a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praise of Him who hath called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. There's a reason why you are a, a priest. There's a reason why, 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 why you've been called a peculiar person. And the reason is not your personality. Oh, that may be one reason why you're peculiar. But there's a greater reason why you're peculiar or you're unique or that you're set apart. And it's that you would show forth the praises of God. That you would have something in your life that would show forth, hey, there's something supernatural about my life. Not only that, if you would go to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. There's a reason that we have to walk for the gospel's sake. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 4, the Bible says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints, and that's a mark of a Christian, by the way, amen, their love for the brethren, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, 
and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. And ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who has, who has excuse me, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit for this cause. We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that there's a reason we did not cease to pray for you. There is a reason we desire you're filled with the spirit. It's that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you get the idea that the investments that Paul made, the investments that Peter made into others wasn't just because that's what they were to do. They had an expectation for those other other believers. And that expectation was that they would walk worthy of God, that they would walk worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just so you understand the caliber of the kind of people we're talking about here, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28 that Jesus was speaking to the church that he started. Go ye therefore into what? You know, I forgot to tell you in the announcements that you are allowed to speak out loud if the preacher asks a question, all right? I just want, I forgot to say that one, all right? The, Jesus said, go ye therefore into all the world, going to all nations, and preach the gospel to what? Every creature. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I don't know if you noticed it, but if you look back here in Colossians chapter 1, Paul says this. He says, You heard, verse 5, before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in what? All the world. Now, here's where we choose to either stop believing every word of the Bible or we say, no, we believe every word of the Bible. Are we every word believers here this evening? All right. Seven of us. Amen. Good. I'm just kidding. Listen, we, we, we take a strong stand on believing every word of the Bible. And Paul said, hey, listen, it wasn't only that you heard it, but all the world heard it. And we praise the Lord for that. But the, he also would say later in the chapter that it was not just preached to you. Verse 23, which ye have heard and, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Now, I believe the Bible. Amen. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul told those at Colossae, he said, hey, you heard the gospel preached to you as it was in all the world. And you heard the gospel preached to you as it was to every creature under heaven. They fulfilled the Great Commission in that first generation. That amazes me. They didn't have Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. They didn't have jet aircraft. They didn't have cars. But, yeah, I know, brother, but the, the population was so much less. Listen, that doesn't matter. We have so much access to people these days. And they had a desire to show forth. They had a desire to walk 
their Christian life to show forth the praises of God, to walk worthy of God. And you know what the, you know what the result was? That the world heard the gospel. In the book of Acts, we find that they turned the world upside down. They, they were living lives pleasing to God and living lives, that ex, living lives that exposed the world around them. Now, here's what, ha, here's what has changed. The calendar. And here's what hasn't changed. Truth. And here is who hasn't changed. God. His Spirit and our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ we still get to preach the exact same gospel. And it is that gospel that Paul would say in Romans chapter 1 that he wasn't ashamed of because it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, the, the, the question for us is, do we, believe, we, we would write it down on a test. We'd get, a, we'd get an A plus on the test that was given. Is the gospel the power of God? Yes, it is. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. But when we live our lives, are we... Living out what we would write on the test. That's the question. And here's what we have to do. We have to get back and understand that we not only believe it, but we must live it for the gospel's sake. You were saved because of the gospel. You're here because of the gospel. Your, your wife, your husband, your children have been saved because of the gospel. Can we not live for the gospel's sake that others may hear? We're not only to walk for the gospel's sake. There's other verses we could look at tonight. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Romans chapter 13, verse 13. But as we get our walk down, Galatians chapter 5 teaches us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance. All these things. I don't mean to rush through them because they're not important. But these are all things that the Spirit gives us. And as we walk our Christian life and as we uh, seek to, to get close to the Lord, as He sanctifies us through His Holy Spirit, and we begin to yield to the Spirit and we become more like Christ, which is what we've been predestinated for. Amen? Predestination is real, but it's not uh, to select this person that person. It's to be conformed to the image of His dear Son, so God had a plan from the foundation of the world that my people, when they are saved, they're going to look like Christ. And he provides an opportunity and a way for that to happen. And as we yield to him and we obey to him, we become more like Christ. And we, we walk, we live, we live our lives for the gospel's sake. But there's a second thing we have to do for the gospel's sake. And that's work for the gospel's sake. It's not enough to just be busy being saved. Once we are clear on who we are, the, the uh, uh, Solomon, in, 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 uh, when he was writing down, it, it leaves it in, uh, um, forgive me for not knowing where it is, but it's in there somewhere, amen. It's either, I think it's Ecclesiastes. It might be proper. I think it's Ecclesiastes. But someone can tell, don't look now, all right? Just trust me that it's there. But he said this. He said there's an evil in the land. He looked out and there's an evil in the land. He said, here's what it is. I see servants on horseback and princes walking. That's a problem. He was basically saying, hey, people are out of their roles. They got everything backwards. They got everything upside down. Servants don't belong on horseback. Servants belong walking. And princes don't belong walking. Princes belong on horseback. In other words, they got to remember who they are. And then get where they're supposed to be. Do you know that that's the Christian's problem today many times? We walk around this world like we're, we're the ones who belong down on the ground. And that all the, the worlds and the, their popular figures and all that, they're up there and, the, and, and we prop them up often. 
But it's backwards. Listen, you're saved. You're a child of God. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Amen. That ought, that ought to move us a little bit. Amen. That the, that the God of the, the creator of the universe loves us and cares for us, saved us and dwells us. Praise the Lord for that. You say, well, but that, that doesn't make us better than other people. You're right. But it does make you better off. And there's nothing wrong with being thankful for that. And we've got to get back to remembering, hey, listen, we're princes. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And this world is not our home. And we have no reason to walk out of these doors with our chin touching our, our, our chest. Listen, chin up, beloved. You're Christians. And we get to that place, we realize who we are, we remember who we are, we get personal revival. The gospel that saved me, I, I get to live it. I get to show people that it works. There's a change in my life. But once we get there, there's a second step. And we not only walk for the gospel's sake, we must work for the gospel's sake. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus said this. He said that he had a harvest and he said, pray therefore the Lord of his harvest that he would send forth photographers. That he would send forth videographers who could video the land and show the great need. That's not what he said. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. But we're not to pray for observers. We're to pray for laborers. And by the way, Jesus never made a mistake. Amen? Jesus never walked back to Peter and said, Oh, Peter, I don't mean to be irreverent. I'm just trying to make a point. Jesus never walked back to Peter and said, Peter, I shouldn't have used that word. I just, I, w- I was talking, I said the wrong thing. That never happened. So if Jesus said that the harvest needs laborers, then laborers is what the harvest needs. And if we're praying, are we willing to go? And you don't have to go to South Africa to labor in the harvest. There's a harvest right out here on 35th Street. 35th Street. And the other ones too, amen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please, I'd like you to see this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You were already there. Some of you might still be there. Verse 19, Paul says, For though I be free from all men, I don't have to do what I'm going to do. For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant. There's a root word in servant, and it's an action word. It's, called, it's a serve. That means there's work, there's labor. I'm free from all men, but I've made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Verse 22, a little, uh, to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Paul was committed to laboring for the gospel's sake. Now, you believe the gospel. Amen. I'm going to ask a question. I don't mean to be offensive. I've, I've, I've asked our church the same thing a dozen times. Andy's been saved for three months. He's probably heard it a few times already. I'm, I'm thrilled you believe the gospel. I'm thrilled that you're saved because of the gospel. But what are you doing for the gospel's sake? What are you doing What are you actively doing? Are you giving for the gospel's sake? Are you praying for the gospel's sake? We pray for our sakes all the time. Are you praying for the gospel's sake? Are you witnessing for the gospel's sake? 
Are you living for the gospel? Paul said, I do all this for the gospel's sake. What are we doing for the gospel's sake? We must walk for the gospel's sake. We must work for the gospel's sake. And quickly, because time is fleeting, we must also win for the gospel's sake. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'd like you to see this, these verses as well. Hebrews chapter 11. I, I, I love this, the, the, these verses. We're, we're going through the book of Hebrews right now in our church. We're not quite to chapter 11 yet. We're just entering chapter 6. But what a wonderful, wonderful book Hebrews is. The theme, uh, how Christ is, is better. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. One of the most famous verses or texts, I should say, in, the, in Scripture. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, <coughs> excuse me, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Uh, his testimony was so powerful that he being dead, yet speaketh. Third John chapter one verse twelve. Matter of fact, you don't have to turn. There. I'm just going to read it for time's sake. I'd, I'd like you to hear this. Demetrius hath good report of all men. And of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. You go to Hebrews chapter 11 and you keep reading about men and women that have a good report. You know what that means? It means that they, they have a good testimony. But here's the question. Says who? Says who? Uh, who, who told the writer of Hebrews that these people had a good report? God. Amen. God said they had a good report. God said they had a good testimony. God said they had a good reputation. Why? Because they committed their lives to something greater than themselves. To the gospel. To God. To his will. To his way. To his word. God give us men and women that will do that today. And we're not looking to get uh, uh, rewards and crowns and do it for that reason. But I don't mean to be proud. I I don't mean to be arrogant. That's not my intent at all. But I do want rewards. I do want crowns. And not because I can wear them and say, hey, Andy, look what I got. So that I will have something to give back to the Lord who gave me so much. I mean, I want to serve him with my life, but I want to give him something for eternity, too. And Paul, the apostle, who I think, believe is one, became one of the most humble men in, in, in Scripture, so yielded to the Spirit, even when he made a wrong decision, he quickly, quickly changing. He told Timothy, Timothy, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Henceforth, there is laid up for me. Oh, I hope. I hope that all that I've done, all the letters I've written, all the messages I've preached, all the people I've talked to, I hope so much, Timothy, that they've outweighed all the bad things I did before I got saved. I hope that the scales have, have evened out because that's why I did it. I, I did it to make up for how bad I was before I got saved. Is that why he did it? No. He wasn't trying to make up for, for how he lived before he got saved. He believed what he wrote the church at Corinth, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. He wasn't living trying to make up for the past. He was living knowing what would come in the future. 
like His Lord Jesus, endured the cross, knowing what was set before Him. Beloved, we do what we do. Not to make up for some guilt. That's religion. We do what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. That we might one day hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and say, Lord, we know, we're very much aware that everything we've been able to accomplish has been in the power of your might, through your spirit, through your mind, and you are worthy of it all back. When a person will understand in their heart that the gospel matters, they'll walk for the gospel's sake. They're going to clean up their life. They're going to understand that their testimony matters, that people are watching, that they have to show forth the praise of God. They have to show forth and walk worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not only going to do that, but once they do that, they're going to realize that the only reason a vessel gets cleaned is to be used. Amen. How many of you wash your clothes? Some of us, good. Why? Why? Why not just throw them away and buy new ones? I'm guessing that it's because you want to wear them again. Would I be wrong in guessing that? How many of you wash your dishes? Why? Because you want to use them again. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know why God cleanses us? To use us again. The reason God wants clean vessels is for His service. So God spoke to your heart tonight, and you say, you know what, I'm not walking worthy of God. I'm not walking for the gospel's sake, but praise God, I'm going to get that right. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to, I'm going to seek forgiveness. Here's the blessing. God's going to clean you up. Here's why. So that you can now work for the gospel's sake. So that this vessel that has been cleansed can now be used effectively for his service. Ian e. Bounds said this about Christians and also preachers. That we are conduits in which divine oil flows. And how clean our conduit is will determine the flow of that divine oil. And when we do that, when we walk for the gospel's sake, when we work for the gospel's sake, we will, have find, our, we will find ourselves having one for the gospel's sake. Not for our sake. Not so that we can hear, well done, pat on the back. No, it was all for the glory of God. In 1874, there was a funeral service for a man named David Livingston. Many of you know about him or have read about him. His heart is buried in Africa because that's where he went. At his funeral service back in England, a man observed an interesting conversation, and it was so moved, this observer, he wrote it down. He saw an elderly man talking to one of his friends, wealthy-looking guy. You could tell by his clothes. And he was telling this friend, and the observer overheard and wrote it down. Here's what the, man, the older man said. Davy and I worked together in the coal mines as a lad. I maligned him and mocked him at his ambition to become a missionary. I went on to devote my life to the pursuit of business and wealth. Today, the whole world honors him while nobody knows my name. 
David Livingston was a man who lived his life for the gospel's sake. David Livingston proved that a man who will lose his life will gain it. And that a man who will seek to come in last, putting others before him, will be brought first. And I'm not suggesting tonight that if we get really grasping for the gospel, that one day at our funeral, people are going to know our names. That's not the point of the illustration. Because there's, there's something greater. We may not be known in this world, but we'll be known in the one to come. And I don't understand it, but I believe it because it's in the Bible. That men who are just as fragile and frail as me, and women who are just as fragile and frail as you ladies here tonight, who got sick, got hungry, got tired, made mistakes, made bad decisions, yet you find them in Hebrews chapter 11 as those that obeyed God. And they're honored by the Lord. One day we will hear something from our Lord. I pray it's well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that will not happen unless we take serious the fundamental reason that we are here. And that is for the gospel's sake. The Apostle Paul lived that way. I pray that we do as well. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. And Father, I pray something said uh, would have touched the hearts that are here this evening. And that it would find its root, not just in their heart, but its fruit in their lives. I pray you'd help me again. Uh, The needs that we have and that I have, I pray they'd be met in Christ. And Father, thank you for all that you'll do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.